Hello, and welcome back to the Extempories Bible Podcast. I'm Boston. And I'm Shruti. And today, we're interviewing Siri Ural, the George Mason University Patriot Games champion. Siri, would you like to introduce yourself to the podcast? Sure, thanks for having me. So, hey guys, my name is Siri, and I'm from Shrewsbury in Massachusetts. My speech and debate journey kicked off in sixth grade, but this December actually marks my two-year anniversary of competing in Extemp. So, time definitely flies. Great. Um, How did you get started with choosing Extemp? Yeah, so I think one major defining factor for me was my older brother. I always grew up really admiring him and knowing that a big part of his life was speech and debate, and he was an Extemper for his first few years. So I came into high school as a declamation kid, and that was totally my mistake when I auditioned for my (laughs) team. We have auditions. I auditioned for the wrong side. So then I spent oh. my first year like begging to be let into Extemp, and then finally my coach let me in my sophomore year, and I haven't gone back since. Oh, that's nice. Did you like anything about Declamation, or was it just kind of like a, you know, waiting until you got into Extemp? Honestly, a little bit. I don't know. I definitely don't think I hated Platform. I just think okay. it got so repetitive so quickly, and then just the mm-hmm. memorizing the night before when I didn't do it beforehand was not really too fun. That's true. I think Extemp is the best event for procrastinators because there's nothing to, you know, do last minute. <laughs> agree. Very much agree. Beyond just starting extemporaneous speaking, typically when each extemper comes onto the circuit, they have one extemper that they look up to. Siri, which extemper do you think you look up to as a role model on our circuit? Oh, wow. That's tough. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I'll go or past the- one, maybe, if you can't yeah. think of one right now. Yeah, I think I will touch a little bit more in the past there. I know the year that I came into Extemp, my captain, Rithika Prasad, was definitely my role model coming in. She would, she was insane on our local circuit. She would win everything for like two years straight. And she did it all in this bright pink blazer. And I just oh. started thinking like, wow, well, one, I need a pink blazer, but two, this <laughs> so that was definitely a driving factor behind the way that I took on my own extemp journey. I think my entire team tried to emulate the way that she presented herself. So yeah, still in touch with her. Definitely a huge influence on my extemp career. Oh, that's so nice. It's nice to have especially like, you know, a woman colored suits representation. Very cool. Um, My captain was also a very big colored suit fanatic. And I also think she pioneered it in our state. So it's nice to see more colorful stuff going on. I need to get my hands on one now. I've been thinking about yeah. the blazer for years, but never have. I mean, like, if interpreters, interpreters can wear, like, the craziest stuff possible, why not accept yes. you know? We need, we need some red suits and extent. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I know you're on the Massachusetts circuit. Uh, how does that, how's that like? Like, tournaments schedule-wise, what do you guys usually do over there? Yeah, so I know a lot of other leagues have very shifting ones. I say that Massachusetts is pretty standard in the way that we operate. We have about, I'd say, 10 tournaments um, before our state tournament in March of 2024 or whatever year it is. Um, We don't have, so we do have like varsity and novice divisions when it comes to extemp. The the rule is that you have to get two final spots in novice in order to go, go up to varsity. But in general, I would say in terms of tournament structure, the way that we do it, just like the general style, it's pretty close to what we see on the NAT circuit. So I always found that a little bit interesting. That's really cool. Um, does your school host any tournaments? Do you guys do anything like pretty unique or what What do you guys like basically? Yeah, we host um, the Mardi Gras tournament. So that's, I think, February of every year. And I think it's one of the biggest locals we have in Massachusetts. And more than that, it's super festive. So we really try to embody that Mardi Gras spirit and we bring out like costumes. We have literally a Mardi Gras spirit costume that comes out during our awards ceremony and just like runs around and does all these dance moves. So definitely one of the more unique tournaments, but I think it really brings the entire circuit and team together. Wait, that is so cool. So like (laughs) during the tournament, there will be like parades and stuff going on. Oh my God. No, I wish, but we, okay. Like my team will go ahead and we'll put up decorations everywhere. Okay. Come time for awards. We'll have that like one person, usually an interp kid that we choose like put on the costume and the mask and just do stuff on stage while we're announcing the actual awards just to keep everyone entertained. Well, I think that's better, honestly. <laughs> using the kids, using the people at your advantage to do that. That's actually really fun. Oh, that's really cool. 
Yeah. Looking at Shrewsbury High School, how do you think your role on Shrewsbury High School's fishing debate team has grown throughout the years and your impact on the team? Oh, God, that's tough. Okay. Um, I guess I think I came onto the team as a very different person. So I started off more as a very individual competitor. My tournaments, especially in the online year, was such a, like, let me get from round to round. Let me do as well as I can and try to see if I can, if I can get any awards. I think it was probably last year just interacting with the other officers on the team and actually finally getting a full year in person changed the way that I saw that. So now at least the way that I approach and I hope that my teammates are getting this when I talk to them and work with them is just really boosting the collective morale on the team. I don't care how everyone performs individually, though I will always be incredibly happy if someone does well. But I just think creating that environment where everyone wants to come back for more is something that is so important in speech and debate because our tournaments can be so long oh that's so nice so you guys have like a big speech like culture at your school Definitely, like a lot yeah. of support okay that's really cool is your team like more extemp heavy or are you guys like you know main debaters we definitely have gotten more extemp heavy over the years i think our pf team in particular is one that has kind of been dwindling away we're very mm -hmm. heavy on the speech side in general so I think our biggest events are interpolated. Um, I know my freshman year in extemp, well, I was in extemp at that point, but we didn't have too many extempers. I think when our former captain, Rithika Prasad, came onto the team, that really bumped it up. And then Varun Nanori this past year as well, um, they really went above and beyond to try and bring in more talent into our group. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's nice. I see a lot of recruitment all going over there. <laughs> <laughs> Always. So we've talked about the Shrewsbury High School and their team on the local circuit, but looking at the national circuit, what tournaments are your school and your extempers looking forward to in the future? Yeah, coming up, I think the biggest one that we usually send a ton of students to is um, NCFLs. I know some mm -hmm. extempers don't, aren't able to go to. I'm pretty sure that you said earlier this year that you weren't able to. Yeah. Um, I think for us, we do go to, we've actually started picking up our national performance as to like the amount of tournaments that we go to, but NCFLs and NSDAs have always been the big ones for our team. Um, I also know that we have Harvard coming up soon. That's literally mm -hmm. right outside of Shrewsbury, or at least we like to say it is. So yeah, I, I forget Harvard's in Massachusetts. Exactly. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But that's definitely one that we'll be looking forward to going to in a few months. Mm -hmm. How far is Cambridge for you guys? A good hour, probably, I would say. We okay. don't want to, like, I know one thing that always comes up every single year to cut down on travel costs. We're always mm -hmm. like, oh, why don't we just drive down there? But that never works. Instead, we always just end up doing the same thing as every other team, driving once and then getting the hotel room and everything. I think that's fun, to be honest, right? Because, like, even then, you're not too far away from home. You don't yeah, have to face yeah. all the jet lag. Yeah, and you still get that hotel experience honestly mm -hmm. I say 90% of my speech and debate experience like my most fun parts always happen in those hotel rooms with my friends so. 100% agree it's the the tournament itself like sometimes you you get like so hope hopeful for the campus yep. but then it ends up being the hotel that's <laughs> actually more interesting <laughs> definitely <laughs> um so speaking of NCFLs I know you final how was that experience like I love NCFLs because well one thing is so my team has this um, academic requirement whenever we go on these trips so we need to do something academic while we're there what that meant for mm -hmm. at least DC two years ago was that we went around to all like the Smithsonian's and other museums in the area so I guess part of it is just having that more team aspect and then the other half for me personally I am definitely a competitor who speaks more to parent judges so NCFLs is very heavy on that front um, I do think it's a much more laid-back tournament as well. NSDAs is such a high-pressure environment. So in general, I would say everything about NCFLs makes it probably my most favorite Nat Circuit tournament. Oh, that's nice. Do you remember what your finals question was or any of the other things you answered that day? Oh my god, yes. I remember it. Word <laughs> because I had to spend so much time memorizing it, but it was, okay. um, should social media police fake news on their platforms? And I remember oh. when I, I drew the question and my team submits so many questions for NCFLs, right? They take mm -hmm. um, all these questions from other schools. So I actually drew two of our questions in that final <gasps> round and ended up choosing neither of them. 
So (laughs) that's probably why I remember it so well, because I was just like laughing while taking it, being like, my coaches are never going to believe this. But um, wait, why? Why? Why did you take the ones from your school? (laughs) The other ones I came and I think there was a police body camera question, which, by the way, I did not come up with myself. But I saw okay. it and I was like, well, one, um, data wise, I think it's that would put me too much on like a controversial and also like pathos mm-hmm. heavy speech. But also yeah. in general, just I like talking about fake news and social media. It's very relatable to us all. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of fun jokes. Actually, speaking of, do you remember any of the jokes you gave in that speech? Oh, I think. Well, I'm trying to remember. OK, I know. One thing I did, this was during one of my points, actually, I was talking about this woman. It was a study done by Facebook where they created a fake identity and were trying to see how like extremist groups responded to mm-hmm. it. So I introduced the woman and then I said, but she was as existent as the ice cream machines in McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> nice. That one was like much more on the fly for me, but mm-hmm. I know my audience did definitely like it. So that was one thing that I kept in mind. You know, that's like a joke that could work anytime. <laughs> McDonald's exactly. ice cream everyone machines. Yeah, everyone understands it. You kind of alluded to it earlier, but um, post-NCFLs, your next big nap performance was on NSDAs. You were a finalist. So how was that experience? And what do you think about preparing for NSDAs as a whole? Yeah, so I think the experience of actually making it that far in the tournament was so unexpected for me. And I know it was like pretty big for my team as well. So the entire days leading up to that were just like, I I can't even describe the mindset I was in because every day it was like, oh my God, I made it farther. And then come Thursday and I was like, oh my God, I made it to finals. So (laughs) it was definitely a mind trip during that week, but I'm so grateful for that experience. I think one thing that's a little bit funny about the way that I at least prepare is the fact that I never prepare for the tournaments that I end up doing well at so this is probably something I should be changing soon but I know for like GMU and for NSDAs and for NCFLs there mm-hmm. has never been a time leading up to those tournaments where I'm like wow I feel so ready to take on the Nat circuit <laughs> <laughs> so I I guess I'm not the best person to be speaking to preparation but I do think that in general it's more of a long time process mm-hmm. so just making sure that you're at least like somewhat reading up on headlines and staying up to date with news and also like targeting your weak points which is something that was huge for me last year so Mm -hmm. just putting that all together no I think it definitely makes sense because um I I I feel like this happens to me a lot sometimes I will like stress prepare before tournaments but I'm like how do you even prepare right like just read a bunch of articles it's like you're kind of all over the place so maybe that like incremental routine um, is actually maybe the best solution because clearly it worked, you know, two-time <laughs> national finalist. Um, didn't mm-hmm. you also get second in impromptu one year too? Wasn't that the year of NCFL? <laughs> it did, yeah. That was my sophomore year. That was equally as mind-numbing. But oh, that definitely. sounds so cool. <laughs> do, you prefer, do you prefer that um, impromptu final better or the extemp final at NSDA? Which one do you like more? I'll be honest, I wasn't a big fan of either. I think one of my main issues as a speaker is if you put a camera on me or if you tell me that like people will remember the speech for like mm-hmm. months to come, I kind of mm-hmm. So I know both of those speeches, definitely not my best. I would say mm-hmm. Extemp felt a lot more real because you were okay. up on that stage. There were like so many trophies behind you and the audience was really reacting to what you said. I didn't get that much mm. as much in impromptu since it was a much smaller audience and smaller room. So I guess I would say extemp was also just a cooler experience overall. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't imagine like it's everything's recording. You guys use sound checks too, right? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the day before. Wow. Yeah, that must be surreal. I mean, honestly, I mean that the fact you weren't able to get through it, that's just kind of a testament on its own. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it definitely, there were times, I know on Thursday too, it was like sound check. And then, um, fun fact, I actually didn't have my lipstick. And for some reason, like the prep people at that tournament were really drilling it into the girls, especially being like, you got to add some color on your face to make yourself pop up on that stage, wear a good suit. So the day before (laughs) I was running around Sephora trying to find a good lip color. So (laughs) it was definitely an interesting time but wait weren't the prep people like all super old ladies too yes they were um you were you were there too right last year yeah I remember yeah they were all I remember 
from that experience was the protect the prep over and over again. Over again, (laughs) Sometimes. So about future tournaments, how are you feeling about the NBA invite? How is it going for the preparation-wise? Are you preparing? What's that looking like? (laughs) Um, I guess I have a real answer and a fake answer that I get to. You can do both. I mean, I'm trying. I think it's just yeah. such a busy time of year. I'm like still trying to figure, um, finish up my college apps and all of that. So mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to kind of put that in. Um, I know I was talking to Rohit, one of the NBA invitees yesterday, and we were both like, yeah, we're not exactly too prepared for this yet. But I think that the week before the tournament will probably end up locking in and actually yeah. grind some speeches. Always those six days beforehand. That's where it all happens. <laughs> Do you feel? Yeah, prepared? I mean... No, I do not. <laughs> I have not been. I'll be honest. I think I've given one speech the entire month of December after me my too. local tournament. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the same old, you know, it's like Christmas happens. And then it's like that weird, like in between space between New Year's. And it's like you're trying to do work, and but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Senioritis. It's hitting so hard right now. And I know, like, I remember last year, I was like, oh, the seniors are like, well, what's going on? Like, I was like, oh, they have it so easy. And then I'm like, this year, I'm like, oh, my God, how does anyone function? All I'm saying is whoever said that junior year was the hardest in high school was absolutely lying because this first semester has been murdering me. Like, I 100% I agree. (laughs) It's like my classes are somehow easier, but they're like, take more effort. I don't understand. (laughs) I'm saying, yeah, Vasu, good luck next year. I'm rooting yeah, for you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be fine. Yeah, looking deeper into Harvard specifically, is there anything that your team's doing to prepare as a whole or travel plans or anything that the officers are discussing? Yeah, I guess one thing, at least on more of the extent side, um, is just I know our officers, no, not our officers, sorry, our coaches have been putting a little bit more of an emphasis on like cross-sex and even if we don't end up making it to that final round, because obviously it's very difficult to do so, I think that between locals and also just having that mindset of always being able to answer these questions about your speeches is something that we would really benefit from in the future. And it's something that Massachusetts as a whole has kind of been lacking in until this year. So I think that's one thing that our team extent-wise is doing. Um, I guess a little broader than that, yeah, we're making travel plans. We're starting to solidify who might go. (laughs) Definitely getting excited for that. Is there a limit on how many people can go to like a national tournament? It depends on the national. So I know obviously NCFLs and NSDAs, we have those like district caps. Mm-hmm. For Yale, we do not send many people. I think this year we had like 15 and that was more than we ever had in past years. Mm-hmm. And then okay. for Harvard, we send as many as we can, to, like as long as we can get the hotel rooms for them because it's so nearby. Okay. How how are hotel rooms usually split up? Like two, two, more more than two people per room? Yeah, I think we usually do three or four. Um, three or four. Oh wow. Three, so. Wow. Okay. Are right. hopefully double beds, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. When it comes to preparing for these big tournaments and stuff, are there any like tips that you have? Like you talked about doing a lot of cross X. Um, since you've yeah. been in a few national finals yourself. Is there anything you usually approach when it comes to that it just cross x specifically or in general or yeah cross x anything you do for like national tournaments i guess one thing for me is i've always been um a very performance heavy speaker so when it comes to content i know that that's an area where i have to continuously improve upon i think mm-hmm. one thing that's really helped me is i have had these conversations with my team in the past where we just sit down we look at a group of questions And for every single one, we just start quick brainstorming, like rapid fire um, points for it or what flaws people might have in their speeches and how we might attack them. So it's a very quick exercise, but also having that group doing it is very effective. I think on a more individual level, um, another thing for me is just getting as much knowledge as I possibly can before. So I don't go too in-depth into topics. I just do enough where in tournaments like NSDAs, where you have to tell your proctor which question you're choosing, the second you get it, you have to know mm-hmm. which question to pick. And I think that's always been a major aspect of extent as a whole. Yeah, I actually, I agree. I think sometimes we can get like almost too nerdy. Definitely. Like, yeah, we go like too into the weeds because 
you know, everyone's always like read, read. And then, but then especially when you're starting out, I remember I would do this a lot. I would just know like so much stuff, but I had no idea how to, you know, like simplify it. Yeah. So it's definitely Mm -hmm. finding that balance. I know. And actually kind of on that note, one thing that helped me, especially at the beginning of my journey was for stuff like supply and demand, things that always come up when you have so many parent judges, there's a very high chance in terms of foreign policy or like anything not American politics related. Mm -hmm. They might not know what's going on. So Mm -hmm. second I get any vaguely complicated topic, I try to explain it the way I would to a middle schooler and then I jazz it up with more vocabulary. But those are the sections that I kind of practice before I ever enter around. It's like, what do I have to say about supply and demand? What do I have to say about Mm -hmm. financial systems to simplify it down and just plug it into a speech? Oh, that's a really good tip. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, don't tell your judge you're treating them like a middle schooler. (laughs) Definitely. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I will, yeah, like, sometimes if I don't know what's going on, I'll just, like, go into Wikipedia and read, like, the introduction or something. I don't know, it's pretty helpful, like, just as a primer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking at clicks moments, so the idea that you start to realize that you have a career in extent and you're starting to grow and you really like that progress that you're seeing, what was your realization point that you were pretty good and led to a dramatic improvement in a short, pe- short period of time? Huh, okay, um... I think I've actually had like, I think there was no one defining moment. It was just a series of things. And it started off really, really stupid. So like right after, actually, no, I think this was during my NCFL final round. I remember I was just sitting there and I was freaking out, right? And I I was in the Mm -hmm. prep room. I'd like never been anywhere close to this before. And in front of me, Anant Veluwali, who ended up, I think, second place that day, was Mm -hmm. just watching a music video. And it was some (laughs) random rap music video. And then... (laughs) I just remember thinking like, oh my God, this is how the kids here are now. This is like normal to them. So I think at that point, I felt like I was playing a whole different game than I was on the local circuit. Mm-hmm. And then in the months after, I would say probably the year after, I think heading into Yale, Kevin Lee walked up to me and we had met through the podcast, actually, through our NCF mm-hmm. call. And he was like, hey, you're Siri, right? And obviously we had talked before and he's also like insanely good. So mm-hmm there was reason for him to know me but being able to have that conversation and for the first time having someone like recognize me as like a mutual competitor on the NAT circuit was mm-hmm. huge so mm-hmm. yeah I mean I definitely think especially with like everything being online you kind of like forget like like oh like there's stuff happening like this like is actually happening in real time you know yeah. Is there any like specific um, tournaments that you maybe felt this improvement the most or like anything that most surprised you, things you didn't expect? I would say I think the most of like the moment where I was like, wow, I've actually grown as a speaker was probably NSDAs of last year. Um, Mm -hmm. Once again, I came into it feeling very underprepared, but being able to go through those prelims, I felt like fairly strong. And it was just knowing that like, wow, I've not prepared too much, but I still feel fairly confident in my ability mm-hmm. right now. It was definitely a really cool feeling. And then just moving throughout that tournament. Um, I also know recently the GMU tournament, I did a hypothetical for the first ever time in that final round. And mm. I love having those kinds of experiences. Obviously, I wish I'd done it before the tournament. <laughs> but I just think I it, mean, it worked out. So <laughs> um, it's just definitely interesting to always have something new thrown at you so speaking of gmu what was your um experience just like attending the tournament um maybe flying over to it you know or traveling i don't know how you guys do things over there (laughs) yeah we ended up um flying down which was curious because i know ridge um over in jersey or new york Mm -hmm. not remember um they just drove down oh they drove yeah they did i don't know how long it took them but can imagine (laughs) yeah Um, But I know, I think, okay, I think actually the biggest part of that tournament for me was being able to have that social aspect, which I felt at Yale as well with other Mm -hmm. competitors. But I know Mm -hmm. Mish Gutierrez, um, I went with him. He was on my team. So we went together that day and we Mm -hmm. were in the room. And then um, we had like Amy and Navia and Aparna from Ridge all come over. And we just had this like really nice conversation. And it's always those kinds of moments that make you realize why you do this activity and like why you Mm -hmm. so much to come to these tournaments. Mm -hmm definitely makes it no yeah I definitely agree because I remember like we talk like we talk because we both work on the same team and stuff but we finally got to talk in person at Yale that was so nice like just you know 
putting like a person to the face or the name or whatever it's cool to actually like hear because it it's like it's changing so much like i remember from last year the tournament was such a different like feel than it is now so it's nice to like make connections when you have the chance i guess exactly and i think that's what makes extemp so different from every event it's this fact that we are so interconnected to like a kind of insane level like we have their national points race and we have organizations like the extempers bible that really do mm -hmm. cover the entire u.s so mm -hmm. i think that has always been my favorite part of tournaments and that's what made me so excited for my upperclassmen years when i would actually be able to like, recognize people yeah yeah yeah, you started to speak about your final round. Do you happen to remember your GMU final round question? Yeah, it was a mouthful. It was like, um, I think it was, yeah, the UK pulls up to Brussels with a boombox asking to be let back in. Does the EU let them rejoin? So, Whoa. What did I you very, say? I definitely enjoyed saying that question because just seeing mm -hmm. people's faces when I said boombox was a moment to remember. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I remember I... I, again, I never answered a hypothetical, but I think as far as those go, it was pretty simple. So I was just saying like, no, they shouldn't because as of right now, the UK doesn't match the EU's ideals and they would only hold them back. So mm -hmm. when I came down to that point, it was very easy to branch out. I know, I remember I watched your Harvard final last year, Shruti, and some of the questions there were insane. Oh my God, yeah. Like, I still remember hearing you guys talk about it. It's like, I, I don't know how you guys did that. <laughs> It was, it's like, so it's like, you think they can't get worse and then somehow they get more outrageous every single time. Um, yeah. Do you remember any of the other competitors or were you guys like, just like after you were done with your speech, did you just go out of the room? Yeah, I left right after. <sighs> Smart. <laughs> I probably would too. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, I, I didn't do this question, but I know at UT, um, Fina Lin, she drew this like insane question about like playing catch or something and then somehow the it's basically like a long-winded question about who would be the next president if um biden kamala and i guess the secretary of state were all incapacitated but they did this weird thing where they were all playing catch and then one by one they trip on a ball and die or something it was so weird and i felt so bad for her when she had to do that how do you even memorize that question <laughs> i i don't know because you can't even take your question slips right like do they allow you to read from the question slips itself in gmu or did you just have to like memorize the entire thing i i think it was memorization but they never Oh, wait, no, they, they did tell us. Okay, um, I know some tournaments don't like specify, so you can take it up if you want to. I think this time they just had me hand it off to my cross-exer. Ah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think it's too hard to forget, though, right? It's a good visual image of holding <laughs> yeah. the blue box and everything. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse just hearing, I know, between like Harvard. I remember someone got a question about like Nicholas Maduro and rabies, and I just remember hearing it and going like, I can't tell whether this would be the easiest question to memorize or the worst. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 for sure. I think it can really vary depending on the person. Something else that I heard was at GMU, they revealed the results in a unique way compared to other tournaments. What were your thoughts on how they dropped the banners? And did you like it more? And do you think other national tournaments and even local tournaments should take the same method? I loved that so much. It really, um, just to give a little more context to anyone listening, basically what they did is that the GMU speech and debate team, which is also a very good collegiate team, they take the time to write down the code numbers and the names of the students who break on these huge sheets of paper. And then in this hall, they end up rolling it down from like these little, um, I guess, balcony areas. And they do this for every single break of the tournament. So I just thought- really. The yeah, the energy in the room whenever they did that, I know for like PF and for OO, when whenever there were a lot of people gathered, you could just hear people like screaming and other people just absolutely freaking out because their name was like on the finals ballot, for example. And Aww. I definitely want to try and incorporate that into other tournaments. I know I've been talking to my coach about it just for like our own Mardi Gras tournament because it's just it's a kind of environment that you can't beat. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. That's that's really cool. Um, We do that sometimes at locals, but I'll be honest, I haven't seen it happening at all at national tournaments. That was honestly one of the reasons why I actually chose to go to GMU. So oh. leading up to this entire thing, 
I was trying to see if I could get an MBA invite, right? And the director mm-hmm. of MBA told my team to either go to GMU or Villager. So I was oh, looking okay. at tournaments and I was like, which one do I do? I'm going to be so honest. I chose GMU because of the posters. I was like, I want to see my name on wow. the day. I thought it'd be so cool. And it really was. So they, they reveal the finals too, right? So is it like within a hall or do you guys go somewhere? How does that work? Yeah, so it's in one of their halls. I think it might be one of their student centers. So the the way it is, is there's like three floors and it's just this giant oval pretty much. And like each floor has a clear line of sight into the bottom area there. So they would just go up to like either the, I think it was actually the second floor. And they just end up like chucking the paper over the balcony while leaving the top taped. So it wouldn't even fully roll down as much as it would fly down. But it was really cool to see. <laughs> Do they have like fun illustrations or was it just like OO XTEM? <laughs> the blah. second one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's still that's still a lot of work because I, I imagine it's pretty painful writing down so many names like it's round painful. after yeah. round. Sure that everything's like correct. I know actually in the first Octo break, I didn't, or maybe it was quarters, I can't remember. I just remember thinking that I didn't break because out of all of the names, there was one that was like taped over. They put a paper over my name and rewritten it. So I'm assuming that either they messed up or something happened before, but I didn't see mm-hmm. that at first. So I just had this moment where I was like caring for Vishnu while looking up and being like, oh, that's like unfortunate. Oh. <laughs> oh. But I mean, I guess that's like makes it even better because there's like that moment of disappointment and then you're like, oh, wait, I actually did get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My coach saw it first too. And she's this like super peppy, energetic um young woman so she saw it and she like freaked out was hugging me and everything it was just a very emotional and like really sweet moment um you got any thoughts on camps because i remember at nsda's last year we started to walk around that fair and we saw a lot of different camps some even specific to extent so how do you think camps are and have you ever participated in a camp I have never participated in a camp. So um, actually I work for a debate institute. That's like slightly mm-hmm. different. It's also meant for more middle schoolers. I guess my thoughts in general are that if they're fairly priced, they're definitely worth it. I know like Paramount, mm-hmm. for example, I've heard has great prices and more than just having qualified instructors, it has very structured material. So you know that you'll mm-hmm. be the camp like much better than you were initially starting. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me personally, since I'm already spending so much money on math circuit tournaments, my thought was always just like, let's save where I can. So I never did end up going to any extemp camps, but I've heard mm-hmm. so many great reviews about some of them. So I know that was always something that was on my mind. Um, So you mentioned the organization you work with, like what exactly do they do? Like within, is it like within Massachusetts or is it more of a national level? I think we work in, it's like Massachusetts and maybe two other states. So we're still fairly local um Mm -hmm. the main purpose of it is to either introduce young people into debate so we're talking anywhere from fifth grade to eighth grade and then we also Mm -hmm. have classes with ninth graders where that's when you actually start honing in on those debate skills um it's definitely much more beginner level than a lot of the other ones uh, a lot of the other camps that we might be used to but it's fun to coach so i enjoy it that's really cool. Have you ever seen anyone you've coached maybe on the circuit or at like a middle school tournament? I've seen some of the ones that are entering high school now. I know there's this one group of kids from this one school who I see at every tournament and they're like the most wholesome, energetic people I've ever met. So every it's like I hear my name being screamed and then I turn around and it's them always. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from you know, doing things in extemp and traveling across the nation. When it comes to preparation itself, are there any big challenges you think you've overcome or any things you're still working on? I think one thing for me has always been more, it's, this is very personal to me, but I have like high key attention issues when it comes to stuff like listening to people's speeches or just like flowing them, especially when it comes to cross X. So mm-hmm. actually I know this, this was like an issue last year in NSGA's I was sitting backstage listening to McKinley talk and I was about to cross her and I blanked out for like her entire second point. And <laughs> this happens at so many tournaments, but I think it's something that I have made a lot of progress in. I think one of my issues is like, also, if I didn't know a lot about what the person is talking about, then I end up finding it more difficult to pay attention. So I just think 
one thing for me, which also attends to like all of my other flaws in XTEM, is just reading as much material as I can and actually understanding it so that when I hear someone talking, I'm not just like allowing it to go right over my head. I'm actually listening. Mm-hmm. So you said you read a lot of material. Are there any favorite news sources or books perhaps that you like reading or covering during your extent preparation? Absolutely. I am the biggest Council on Foreign Relations fan. I have mm-hmm. loved them since day one when I found their global conflict tracker. And it's to anyone who hasn't checked it out, definitely do it. It will give you like... Inf- yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like- it's invaluable, <laughs> really. <laughs> the extent holy grail right there. You just get to go through all these um, like huge briefs that they simplify for you, which I thought was the best part, especially starting in extemp. Because like, I didn't know how to break down foreign conflicts until I was able to have it broken down for me first. Um, But other than CFR, I also know like Al Jazeera, New York Times are great for breaking breaking news since they Mm -hmm. report so frequently. Um, Brookings Institution, I always cite that in my speeches because they always have some really cracked study on the matter, which is great like Brookings Institution and all of these mm-hmm. big database networks are also super useful. In oh, okay. I mean, I'm just glad for you to say something that's not The Economist. <laughs> I, every <laughs> single time we ask people, it's always The Economist. Honestly, I think my coach would cry if she knew that I didn't mention it because that's <laughs> one new subscription that we religiously pay for every single year. So, <laughs> definitely The Economist. I mean, yeah. I mean, no offense, but <laughs> it's nice to have something else. <laughs> I agree. No question. Um, looking into looking at these sources in particular, it's an actual round. We see that within the time split between prep time and time to speak. How do you think your time split is and do you want to change it or do you like where it is at right now? Yeah, I think it depends on how much I know about the question. So generally speaking, I'm a 15-15 kind of person. A lot of times I end up going to 2010. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. I'll Petty Gherkin, he was on the circuit last year, really good um, to anyone who might not have heard of him yet. But he he was so known for his five, like 25 split. Oh, no. I just, I can't imagine anyone being able to do that. That's just inhuman to me. But I'm happy. With yeah, my- that's insane. I remember. I, he would always talk about it too. And like we'd, I know Shrewsbury, um, he was one of the first Nat Circuit extempers that we met. So we would mm-hmm. like beg him for tips on how to get to that. <laughs> And he, he would just be like, oh, read news. And we were like, we're doing <laughs> He would tell me that he would do like drills where, he, where he'd have like a minute to prep and that would be like it. And it was like five minutes was like, sometimes it'd be like, oh, I think I spent too much time at prep. And it was like seven minutes long or something. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That's a level that I could only dream of being at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any like sources that you like to file or do during before for prep I would say I don't think my team has done filing for quite a long time now ever since they started allowing the internet Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I don't I don't really think I can think of any if anything I guess it would be CFR I know I tried doing that early on when I thought that people needed to file but other than that I just think it's it's probably on the anti-filing team then (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) Talking about practice routines, is there anything specific that your team's trying to incorporate or the XM part of it is trying to change up inside the future? I think one thing was what I mentioned earlier in terms of cross-ex, but um, I know I've already talked about that. So I guess another one is just style of XTEM. So mm. I think we've had quite a few successful extempers in the past and each one brings something new to the table. So I know with Rithika, um, she had these incredible AGDs and she was like one of the funniest extempers I'd ever seen. And when I first saw her, I didn't even know that you could be funny in extemp. So mm. I think that has been a pretty big turning point because my team has also picked up its national circuit attendance in extemp. So we're being mm-hmm. like, we're seeing extempers use these really pathos heavy arguments that really make you feel emotion on the topic. And then you're seeing these hilarious jokes that are like so well-structured. So I think in practice, what we try to do is find our own style because obviously it's unique to all of us and make sure that it's something that isn't like blaring out at the judge, but is more subtle. So that's just a lot of more performance heavy routines that we end up doing. Yeah, that's a pretty good tip. I think it's kind of hard to like practice for like jokes or humor just because it's 
you know, by nature, it was supposed to be more off the cuff, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of things you can definitely like change up in your routine. Yeah. And I know one thing we did, um, I it was at one NCFLs a few years back, but we did this drill where we would have each extemper read out an article and they would try and use a new emotion. So part mm -hmm. of it was for that humor aspect. The other part of it was just to be able to diversify extemp from our stereotyped like news reporter kind of broadcasting voice and really make yeah. it engaging to listen to hmm, that's smart I definitely did struggle with the broadcaster voice in the <laughs> beginning so get those comments I know that drill is one that a lot of members on our team value especially since it's something we don't often talk about and when we do get to do it it really helps our performance as well definitely are there any other prep strategies or life hacks that have made your life easier in extent I think probably the biggest one for me was in terms of memorizing sources, because I will be the first to admit I do not have the best memory. And I know a lot of other mm -hmm. people don't as well. I think the number one thing that helped me was, first of all, finding my own prep style in the way that I format my notes, because I was always taught the horizontal, like, write your first point and then your quotes mm -hmm. and then in the line below do the second. Now I do more of a T-chart kind of structure with like three divisions. And it makes it easier for me to, when I'm um, like doing my practice period in my prep, I'm basically visualizing that exact outline in my head. And I'm also able to, one tip I picked up on very quickly was using different color pencils or markers or whatever to do your sources mm -hmm. or, and your AGDs as well. Because when you're trying to remember it in your speech and you're thinking of this like mental image of a notebook or whatever you're prepping on, those are the ones that stand out to you and those are the ones that you need. So that was a huge help, mm -hmm. especially starting off. Yeah, I, I think you're the only person I've seen who's done that T-chart style. It's very I, cool. You no, know Kevin ran this like prep survey or something last year. And mm -hmm. some of the responses we got were like between people prepping on their iPads or um, just on paper or like whatever paper style. It was really cool to see the different types that people do around here. Yeah, I think there's more of a, I think I see more horizontal I, or whatever it's called, the other different way of doing yeah. it these days. Mm -hmm. so speaking of changing things when it comes to prep are there anything you want to maybe change when it comes to rules and extemp itself I am not a big this is like something much more recent but I'm not a big fan of the whole chat GPT and bard thing that's like been taking over um mm -hmm. I know for a fact that I've seen some of my novices using it in tournaments and I just think that especially when you're using it that early it takes away from your ability to not only do research, which in my opinion is half of the skills that you take away from mm -hmm. it, but also your ability to critically analyze something when like a robot is feeding it to you. Um, I know mm -hmm. that technically it is allowed, I'm pretty sure, at all these tournaments. I kind of wish it wasn't, but I think the the landscape is changing a lot. So mm -hmm. I guess that's where that takes us. Yeah, I actually heavily agree because when I was at Glenbrook's, like someone came up to me and was like, oh, I was just did this entire speech like through like the whatever bar thing was. And they were showing me how they did it. And I was like, this is defeats the entire purpose of the event. It yeah. feels so hollow. You're about to become like limited preparation. Oh, that's I'm calling it right now because like especially with Bard, I know it's much more recent than ChatGPT. It can pull like database articles from much sooner. So mm -hmm. pretty soon it's going to be like who can give the best prompts yeah I, I agree and there's this like I remember I was watching these like really old extents from like the 2000s and 2010s and they didn't have any humor they were like dry I would say but they were very analytical I think these days we're moving towards more like you were saying like a performance like people want jokes people want like emotion and pathos and stuff mm -hmm. and now the entire prep is just going to be focused on delivering the best speech not you know creating one instead it's so I don't know it's so weird definitely I know one of my coaches always used to say um if you can do extemp you can do anything and I think obviously that's like not only completely true but also mm -hmm. it's that idea of it being an untouchable event because you know like I think extemp is agreed upon that it is probably the most difficult to at least get into it might not be the mm -hmm. most ones are already in but I just think mm -hmm. I don't know. There have been so many changes recently that I feel are kind of detracting from that. Yeah, like, like I feel like some changes made a lot of sense for the time. Like, with the pandemic, I think, you know, that was a good riddance to stop the paper filing. It was just so inequitable. 
if you don't come from a big school with newspaper subscriptions, yeah. like, what are you supposed to do? It was kind of impossible. And I get that, but I feel like their NSD is almost like afraid to regulate it, if that makes sense. So yeah. they're like, you can't use it to generate your speech, but you can use it to outline. Like, how would you know the difference? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a lot harder now because with it growing in prevalence over the last two years to make sure that equity still stays inside the event, mm -hmm. they've kind of been forced to allow it to be used to some capacity. But again, that detracts, as mentioned, from the overall performances yeah. and their authenticity. Yeah, I think I think part of the beauty of Extemp is like becoming such like a, you know, not expert, but becoming so knowledgeable about what you're talking about that you can come up with those solutions yourself. You can draw the critical analysis links. Yeah, definitely. And also on that note of equity, <laughs> what do we think of the charging rules when it comes to like charging and prep? Oh, so stupid. I agree. Like, like it I, doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like I can sort of get it in theory, but then at the same time, I know that they let, I think it's like, first speakers charge once they leave or something or no like last I can't remember the logistics to that mm -hmm. but it just doesn't make sense because at that point you're discriminating against those who come later in the round yeah so, mm -hmm. as someone whose devices are always dying NSDA if you're yeah listening, yeah please change it no because my before I got my new computer I had like my six-year laptop that would die every single 10 minutes and I was just like, it would be like a race to like charge it as much as possible. And then as soon as I finished prep to find an outlet outside <laughs> or something. Um, and I also think it's so weird because I don't know if this is still a thing, but do you remember, I don't know if you two were um, at NSDA like two years back when like Extemp, they were like, um, you could use portable chargers to charge it, but you can't plug it into the outlet, which yeah. doesn't seem equitable to me. Yeah, I think they still do that. And it's just, if you're trying to- Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because I remember, I can't, it might have been NCFLs last year, but also we had like no charging ports in general, which is probably why. Mm -hmm. um, I know that, I guess I get their sentiment in the sense that like, trying not to give unfair advantages. But when you have kids who are coming in with top-notch devices, and then kids who are yeah. coming with like, their parents' old MacBook or whatever, there's- Yeah, yeah. On that. And Absolutely. also, like, I feel like the most inequitable thing is having a portable charger. Like, that's like, that's, that's like, that is inequitable to me. If you're going to charge outlets and charge old charging, it feels so weird. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Coming back to, like, the reflections on Extemp, would you give any advice to freshman you, or I guess inside this particular case, sophomore you, when you entered into Extemp? <laughs> I guess... That one's tough. Um, I guess I would say don't be afraid to give speeches because I we have such a big like practice culture on our team in the sense that our practices are literally just speeches. Like every single week we come and we give an extemp speech and then we're done. But I think I know my first speech, one of my teammates saw it, the next speech, another one of them saw it. And at the beginning, I think one thing that really held me back was an inability to kind of actually let myself perform because I was constantly thinking like oh like what is my audience thinking and even in mm -hmm. tournaments what is my judge thinking I don't think I truly found my style until like the weeks leading up to NCFLs because that was the first time I was like okay I'm here now and am I just gonna perform in a way that feels below comfortable or am I actually gonna mm -hmm. let myself throw in this activity so I think just mm -hmm. taking that step is something I really wish I'd done sooner yeah, I think it's important to like let yourself have space to make mistakes, especially at the beginning. Definitely. I mean, this is such a growth-centric event. You will start off giving, mm -hmm. I think my first speech was like two minutes and 15 seconds or something. Like, mm -hmm. it's better. It really does. But you have to be able to let yourself do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like when you watch, like, you know, when you're at NSDA and you're watching the finals, right, you'll see like a freshman like finaling in the, in the other events or you'll see like a freshman like winning the entire thing and that's only possible in non like debate or extemp events or even just non-extemp events because you if you have a natural talent for like theater or performance I feel like you can do that but extemp is such its you know its own little world that it's like you have to like get used to just failing again and again almost like failing yeah. upwards mm -hmm. in its way yeah i'll be the first to say like i know we have such tight-knit community but
but I think breaking into that group can be very hard. I know my sophomore mm-hmm. year, I was just intimidated by just being in that prep room. Like everyone was on their laptops and they looked like so locked into the competition and all of that. And then you would have that group of like nationally ranked competitors in the corner, mm-hmm. not talking to anyone else. So it's just, yeah. it's kind of that feeling of pressure when you're in that environment mm-hmm. that you have to be able to break past, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I agree. It can be very um excluding in a way, especially because like, you know, I said this a little bit earlier, but when you're only competing online and, you know, just like competing normally, you don't have a chance to even make friends and then you go in person and like for example I was like the only exemplar for a long time on my team after my captain graduated so I just didn't have anyone and then you're right it's like all the people who are really good at exempt just they don't they don't go out of their bubble so it's kind of hard to interact is your team bigger now uh we have like two people so that's nice (laughs) progress yeah (laughs) Um, is there any advice that you think was the best piece of advice you ever got? I guess I think this is something I've definitely been saying a lot, but find your own style. You see so many different types of people on the circuit, but you can't mimic anyone. You can definitely take mm-hmm. from them. I know I've taken like so many little, like these tiny little stylistic elements from other people's speeches and integrated it into my own. But mm-hmm. I think me as a speaker, I'm significantly more lighthearted in the way that I approach it so like during my speeches I will try and make like little jokes or quips just anything to kind of keep the audience alive during my speech Mm -hmm. and I know many other people don't like that that doesn't work for them so just to anyone especially if you're either in the middle or at the beginning of your journey don't hesitate to find what works for you and I think one thing that helped me also was just like recording my speeches watching it and being like okay that did not sound right coming out of my mouth and that's okay (laughs) different things work for everyone Mm -hmm. um do you think the recording process is really helpful how would you think it's like helped you become a better extemper I think at the beginning so I came from a deck background right so I was already a little bit more on the performance side coming in I didn't have as many speaking concerns but Mm -hmm. I think one thing I found was in certain topics I will talk really fast if I like even slightly know what I'm talking about and in other ones I'll like abuse my hand gestures or I'll like make different facial expressions that feel so normal to me but when I look back on it I know people say that entire thing about you being your harshest critic but in this case it can help you because judges will be seeing those Mm -hmm. same things so I know I used to I don't do this as much anymore but I used to crank out speeches from all different topic areas since I knew that I performed differently for everyone and I would just pick out those things that really stood out as negative, but also the things that were mm-hmm. positive and learn how to amplify or negate them. And that's smart. I think, um, yeah, definitely recording yourself can be a bit scary, I would say. Mm-hmm. I've done that before and it feels almost like, oh my God, like you're forcing yourself <laughs> yeah. to watch it. But yeah, it is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of recording yourself is you're able to try, as you mentioned, a variety of questions and really see what are the benefits and disadvantages to your speaking style and modify that on that note are there any favorite or least favorite questions or topic areas in general for you I'm not the best at remembering questions but I do think topic area wise I love foreign policy because I think Mm -hmm. it's so much less controversial at least for your average judge I think that's something you do not get from any like social issues or domestic politics kinds of topics um I'm not a huge fan of economic ones I just think that they get really repetitive really quickly, and they also get so negative. I have heard positive speeches in economic areas like so few times. It's like, yeah, there's a recession coming. Our markets are going to crash. And it's just a little mm-hmm. bit of a damper. So I definitely like talking in a more uplifting way about like interpersonal relations between countries. I think that's much more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I and I also definitely think that with like crypto and everything, and then like the supply chain issues, the economics like questions have just been kind of boring agreed fun fact i have never taken a crypto or bitcoin question if i (laughs) i put it right back (laughs) there's always i think those are just i do have like a category of questions that i definitely try to avoid anything on abortion fun fact at yale at like two years ago i did an abortion question and i thought i kept myself pretty partial throughout but like the first comment on my ballot was just my judge telling me not to pick that kind of question 
So since then, I've avoided anything that might be a little bit controversial. And then also that I know would bore my audience, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, we don't need to know like the you know intricacies of European tax code or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think sometimes um when it comes to controversial questions, at least it does feel like kind of sad because a lot of extent is about hot button issues. But then, you know, judges I feel like sometimes refuse to leave their biases at their door, even though the purpose of extent is education. Yeah, and I always found that interesting, too, because at least I, I've not really seen many of speeches on social issues because I think we all stay away from talking about it. But mm-hmm. whenever I talk to other competitors who have like attempted it in the past, it's just that general consensus that even if you keep your own bias out of the speech, like even if you report on it with no opinion, which is already a little bit weird for extemp since you're supposed to have like one polarized opinion, but... um. I just think the general idea is that no matter what you do, you don't know what your judge will say or think. So just avoid yeah. it. Yeah, it's like a minefield. Are there any AGDs or on tops that you really like that you've given? God, I think one that the entire nation knows at this point is the, I used one that I always go like, um, for example, Saying that Russia and the United States are best friends is a lot like saying that extemporaneous speaking is actually fun to watch. <laughs> I know it always gets me so many points with my judges, but I've used it at like so many performances, especially ones that are seen by a lot of people now. So I've unfortunately had to retire that. It's kind of tragic. Uh, but <laughs> I know it was definitely, it was a good run with that one. I also- yeah, suffering from success. <laughs> <laughs> I know one thing that also helps me a lot, I use um, the SNL weekend updates. So I just like, this is actually my pre-tournament strategy. I don't do any practice speeches or anything. I kind of just play it and I let it run. And I listen to the two guys go back and forth with all their like borderline controversial quips on these random topics. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have to (laughs) choose what you do, but it's, I think it's also opened my eyes to what kind of jokes you can make without being offensive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely true. And I think, um, once you're like able to make like an analogy joke you can kind of like smartly reuse it enough times like with without it being too canned if that makes sense yeah i moved on to like vladimir putin's hairline and other things that are a little bit more (laughs) stemp adjacent maybe not as Mm -hmm. funny but they still get the point across so just being able to twist that around yeah because it's hard to think of jokes like on the spot i'll be honest i'm not a very naturally like funny person so to like be in that 30 minute prep and then you're like already running over time it's it's gonna be stressful (laughs) i think that's the one thing that i do like about econ topics there's so many jokes to be made about money it's like the list is not ending so Mm -hmm. actually i think some of the reasons why i've chosen bitcoin questions is because i'm like i can make a really good (laughs) joke out of this (laughs) (laughs) honestly valid because especially at the nat circuit level i will stand by this fact you can have as many sources as you want as much analysis as you want but at the end of the day when you're on a playing field with kids who can do the exact same things it's just about how you can carry yourself differently so Mm -hmm. i will always say that at least for me i know humor has taken me like a pretty far way in terms of standing out to audiences i think Mm -hmm. whatever that might be for someone coming back to the idea of individual style just finding yeah yeah I definitely agree you kind of want to don't you don't want to like bore people like you're saying right you want to like show a bit of yourself um kind of amp up your personality obviously don't fake being a different person or like (laughs) steal other people's personalities but still yeah I think extent that's one thing that people do tend to gloss over but you don't Mm want to you don't want to like make this a very pf like kind of vibe Mm -hmm. you want to make it more of a performance yeah, like, I don't know if this is happening with you, but I see at locals that more and more people are actually, like, watching extemp rounds. Like, I remember, like, before, people would always be like, oh, like, oh, there's extemp or something. Now people, are, like, watch it and they laugh and they actually seem, like, interested in it. It's it's very interesting. I feel like it's been the opposite for my circuit just because no one actually oh. watches our final. <laughs> I, don't I don't know when that happened, but um, I, I always did think it was cool that People are actually interested to watch Extemp, even if like they end up choosing DI or something. Because mm-hmm. I think if especially if you're not in the category, again, it's that untouchable idea. Like, how do people do that? And then you see it and it's obviously incredibly impressive. So mm-hmm. I, I always do like hearing that people are interested in watching it though. 
And I think especially when you when you go to those like national rounds and you have the cross X, it's always like <laughs> people are always kind of like wanting to see the other person be like pummeled in cross X in a yeah. way. So <laughs> it's fun. And it's like that collective, especially in cross X, that audience reaction when you say something that's like so powerful or so like dismissive mm-hmm. and you can just see people reacting to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? I guess. I would say, especially to the rising generation of extempers, this is more of like a plea. Do not <laughs> let extemp at its core change. Because I think the most beautiful part of this category is the way that each extemper is able to actually embody that spirit of, like, yeah, you might be in high school, but you're able to talk about these topics with this uncanny level of knowledge and in a way that makes people want to listen. So to anyone who made it this far, just... <laughs> Please keep that in mind. And as I said earlier, make sure that you are being your own person in your speeches. Do not be afraid to try something new. Never be afraid to do something that you might not have ever said and you seen anyone done before. Dude, oh my God, I cannot talk. You've never seen anyone <laughs> do before. Because I think that at the end of the day is what makes extent worth doing. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today, Siri. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Extempories Bible Podcast. And if you're interested in more free extemp resources, including weekly questions and content briefs written by some of the greatest extempories, be sure to check out our website, extempories.org, and our Instagram page at Extempories Bible. Thank you for listening.